turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to speak on kind of an odd subject, not odd, but just not one of the normal things we would talk about. Um, it's just how God speaks to us and, and listening for the voice of God. And if you've grown up in church, you've heard all the phrasing before. You, you've heard people say things like, oh, last night was so good, God spoke to me. Well, if you're a new Christian or maybe a child or whatever, just those words will make you step back and go, huh, I wonder what that was like. You know, because what do you think of? If somebody says God spoke to me, what, what, what are you thinking of? Audible voice. Audible voice. It's like, Tony, you know, don't eat that. Or, you know, don't go. You're, 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 you're thinking that it's some sort of voice or whatever, because that's, that's the everyday language of what we think about and know about things like that. You know, you've had somebody come up to you before and walk up and say, hey, God told me to give you this. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, you know, man, that's a big deal. You know, God, like, told you. But our, our minds wonder what that, what does that look like in the Christian walk? The, the other question that kind of we're going to kind of evaluate through this is why don't we hear the voice of God speaking to us more? You know, why, why, why isn't there more of that, of God working? And so some of you are getting weirded out because I know in movies and things like that, they do this weird, and, and I, I want to kind of explain some of those things where they'll sit there and say, God showed up at the end of my bed and was standing there and he spoke or wrote things in the crowd, clouds and all these other things that we have. You've got to understand that God has a way that he works. And sometimes if you're hearing stuff that works in a way that God doesn't work, you should probably question it, okay? Because there's more than just the Spirit of God out there. There's, there's other spirits at work. And remember that Satan comes as to us as an angel of light. You know, I've, I've had people say some crazy things and say, God told me that. I was like, God didn't tell you that. You said, how do you know, Pastor Tony? Because will, God will never tell you to do something that goes against Scripture. Never. And so we've got to test the spirits and understand when God's leading and speaking to us. When there's a passage specifically that gives us a major principle about God speaking to us. And I know that there's different dispensations, and I don't want to confuse you with this, but there's a way that God worked in different time periods. For example, who can explain to me ways that God spoke to people in the Old Testament? Name, name something. What is, what is something that God did to speak to people in the Old Testament? Prophets. What else? Oracles. Donkeys. That's a good one, actually. I thought of that. A donkey. What, what else? Burning bush. Dreams. There's a, there's a big one that some of you get, you're missing. Angels. That's the one that I was thinking about. Angels. How many times did God send out an angel to talk to Gideon? And sometimes it was either the presence of the Lord or the angel of the Lord that he talks about. They get there. We even find that. In, in, in the beginning of the, the New Testament, uh, when you find, get into the New Testament, what was the story of the New Testament that started off with angels speaking? Mary and Joseph and, and, and the birth of Jesus and announcing the birth of Jesus and things like that. So we have that, but different ways that God spoke. So cross into the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how did God speak to us? Physically, how? Through Jesus Christ. God... Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, we got the very spoken words. And that's how we got the Gospels. And you're reading through the Bible and you read the books of God that is in red. And you see that. God's speaking to us. Now we're in the church age. How does God speak to us through the church age? The Word of God. The Word of God and what would, would you say? Holy the Holy Spirit of God. 
So this is one of the things that if, if God has literally given with us the presence of the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden you're looking at a cloud when God says you have the Spirit of God, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Not saying that God doesn't work in mysterious ways and God does amazing things and people have said, what can God and can and cannot do? Well, unless it's contrary to spirit, God can do whatever he wants. And people have come up and asked me these questions. Could God have told me something in a dream? And, you know, and I'm, I'm leery to answer those questions because I know God can do anything. As God's not limited and God works in mysterious ways. I do know that, but I don't know, always know about exactly how that looks like. So we're going to take... Five, ten minutes to tell you the backdrop of this story because I think it helps us, okay? Jumping in just to the, the passage, I think is going to go too far. So 1 Corinthians 19 is where we're going to be looking at. And, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to give you guys some things straight up just to, just to look up and read, okay? Because I don't always do Wednesday night, give you all the handouts in the church services. It comes up on the screen. Uh, but tonight with this Bible study, until we get to the handout, I just want you guys just to grab your Bibles and read along with this. So God did an amazing thing. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. Now that plays a big part in this story. I need you guys to get that. Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. So you got to think, did that make a big impact on the prophets of Baal and those that were around? Yes, huge. Okay, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Did it make a big impact on Elijah? Yes. I mean, he's the dude sitting there praying down and God literally answered his prayer. And God showed up in this way and this huge demonstration of the power of God that shook this nation. Who was very, very irritated during this time? Jezebel Jezebel was outright fierce. Not necessarily Ahab, Jezebel. It was was the wife. She was stood up. So 1 Kings 19, and this is all the best. And you're going to think, what does this have to do? Well, this is, this is literally the backdrop to where we're going to go with what's happening. So chapter 19, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, with, and with all, how he had slain the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose went for his life, and came to Beersheba, and belonging to Judah, and left his servant there. So he gets this really bad news, and just something about, wait a minute, that's a shock. I just saw God do something really powerful and real, and God was there. This doesn't line up with what's going on. So there's a lot of feelings and emotions that are coming over Elijah that this doesn't line up. Now, I'm going to tell you what mentally is going on with Elijah. Elijah begins to question God. Elijah is scared. He's upset. And all these things come out in this passage as we're doing that. He's running from this woman after he saw this outpouring of the servant of God. And there's so many principles and lessons that we've learned and, and studied through the years when it comes to things like this. But uh, he, he, he ran to hit himself. So you can imagine what he's going through. We've all been there ourselves. So verse 3, And when he saw that he arose and went for his life, he came to Beersheba, belonging to Judah, and he left his servant there. Now that, that, that's important for you to understand because of the fact is, I don't know what this looked like for just, I just want to be my, by myself. You can imagine that type of mindset. We've all done that. You've been discouraged. Your husband tries to come in. Honey, let's talk about it. No, I just want to be by myself. I don't want anybody talking to me. You talk to your teen. You talk to your parent, whatever. I just leave me alone. But he himself went to a day's journey into the wilderness. Wrong, bad mistake. And came and sat under a juniper tree. 
and he requested for himself that he might die and said, is it now, is it enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm not better than my father's. So, man, this came down hard on him. So you can imagine from the time he left his servant and that news and that great triumph of God to the point that he gets to this point, have you ever just had a bad day, but it gets really worse just because of what happens in your head? You guys know what I'm talking about? You sit there, you argue with your spouse, but by the end of the day, you have it made up that he hates you and you hate him and that, you know, it's never going to get better and this is just the way that it is and why did I ever marry him and my mom told me and by the, end of the, t- by the time you get to that spot, you're just like, literally what he does, he sits down after a day's journey and he says, God, just kill me. It's not going to get better. I've hit bottom. This is horrible. And, and he did this. So well, one advice that I'd like to give you guys in, in this passage, just, just to throw this out, when you do have bad things happen to you or things, don't get alone. Don't get alone. And there's one thing, and I think the Bible even specified it. He leaves his servant, goes another days. By the time he gets there, he just wants to quit. Not even quit. I, I, I would even write this in as almost suicidal, if you, if you think this. It's, it's what he's saying in this. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And he felt alone. He felt overlo- uh, overwhelmed with everything that was going, going on through this. And so he, he runs from what God is doing. He leaves his servant. And, and uh, let me tell you, when you're alone like that, the devil attacks the weak. He does. He's as a roaring lion. He's not foolish. He's going to attack what he can you get into a group of Christians that is praying and encouraging, and, man, God's got this. Satan doesn't want in on that. He attacks your mind and your thinking, and he attacks the depressed. Those that are already thinking negative thoughts, he steps right into it. It's a playground for Satan. So the Lord strengthens him. And I know this is a long way to get to where we want, but it's all the same story. And he lay down and slept under the juniper tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and beheld, there was a cake bacon in the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did, and he ate, and he drank, and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and rise, and he, uh, and eat, because the journey is too great for. Them. Then he arose and did eat and drink, and went to the strength of the meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mountain of God, which is where God spoke to Moses before. So it was a big place of God meeting with him. So this is the grace of God happening in this, which is which is awesome. We could take a whole lesson of this. You're down, you're depressed, and God has a way of ministering to you in a way that you could not even do for yourself, which is powerful. You know, it's amazing how God will, I I don't know, send somebody your way or do something for you that will just turn things around and say, I don't deserve that. Well, that's the grace of God because God loves you. That's that's why God loves you and he cares. Verse 9, he gave thither to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now, you can look at this one way and say, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah would say, You told me to come here. Okay, so there's more to that question than that. It's more or less, Why are you running? You know what I'm saying? He, God laid him down, put him in the cave, rested him. But it's more or less, what, what do you, what, The state of mind, the place of depression, the, 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 the point of giving up, Why aren't you back doing what I've called you to do? Why are you here? But he was led to this place, you know, uh, of this distant place by God. And, and Elijah responds, and he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, slain the prophets with the sword, and I even I only am left, 
and they seek my life to take it. Then he was confused. And, and this, this happens where God, where are you? That, that's what he's saying. He's saying, God, where are you? I, I have literally, I stood before Ahab. I, I prayed. I demonstrated faith. God, we, we gave. And if you don't understand that principle, where they kept dumping the water on there, why was that a big deal that they kept dumping the water on the altar? Well, that it wasn't a trick, but it's more than that. Why was that a big deal? What were they praying for? It was a drought. Sacrifice. God, I, God, I believe in you so much. Dig a trench, dump water on it over and over again. It was sacrifice, literally meaning I believe that God's going to do this so much. I'm going to give what we have left because I believe God's going to pour out blessings on us, which is an amazing lesson of itself, of, of sacrifice and trusting God. So God, and he just, he's opening up before God. He's, he's saying, man, I stood for you. I did, I called, I prayed, I went. God, where are you? And, and that's, that's an honest prayer that we could all get to. God, and he even said this, and he said, I, even I only am left. He said, I'm the only one doing this. You're going to let me be tore apart and attacked by this? Being honest, have you guys ever felt this way? Like, man, I'm doing everything right. Serving God, I'm loving, I'm, I'm faithful, I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. And God, all I get is problem, problem, problem. Why, why is not anybody else dealing with what I'm dealing with? Why is it all me? We go through, I attend church, I support the church, I serve you, I'm doing what's right. It just doesn't make sense. So God's response is ready. Here we go. And this is, this is, what it, this is the whole thing that we are leading up to. God is about to teach him a very valuable lesson. Verse 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. I don't, I can't imagine what this was like, but on this mountain of God, God brings him out of this cave and he says, sit right there. You know, just, just watch this. Watch what I'm about to do. Now, I can't even imagine what this display looked like, but here's what happened, okay? You go back and read, and before him passed by God of this, this, this outpouring of his power, whatever, a great and strong wind that rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks. Okay, this is not just, a, you know, the, the, the trees, you know, going back and forth and the, and the leaves falling off. Okay, the, this, this is the mountains breaking down and the rocks tumbling down and the shaking and all these things that was happening. Okay, great outpour of the power of God. Okay, you'd sit there and say, whoa, God is so here. Man, look at the outpouring of God. And God says, stop. I'm not in that comes up again, and then there's a great earthquake, okay? Everything's shaking, everything you can imagine. He falls to the ground, and he stands back up, and I don't know if it was 10 seconds or 10 minutes. I don't know. But then it says a great earthquake, and he stands back up, and God says, wait, I'm not in the earthquake. And then a great fire. I don't, I don't know if it was like the fire that came down from Elijah that he did before, okay? But you can kind of see a parallel that he's referencing what God did before, and all of a sudden, God's duplicating the power of God. And God says again, an earthquake, but a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And then he just stops, but a still, small voice. Did you notice that all these things that God did was great action? And I think that's how we expect God to show up, and it's what we're looking for God to do, is these great outpouring of action things that we do. You say, why is that? Well, you think about it. If that's how it started, go back to the beginning of the story. The Lord, He is God. Pour out all this out, and then whoosh, the fire comes down from God. And he's like, okay, that's how God works. And I think that's how we wrap up our minds, that if God's going to do something, it's got to be over-the-top, big, amazing, breathtaking, you know, fire coming down from heaven, all these things happening in front of them. And, and he saw that before. I, I, I think for us, we feel like the moving or the working of God comes through giant revivals, record-breaking crowds, altars being filled. Is God in those things? Yes. God is in all of those things. God was in that outpouring of the, the, the fire from heaven when he did that, okay? But does God work in other ways? Yes. God works in the little things. God works in the ways every single day all around us that oftentimes we miss all the time. God wanting to speak to you, not in a coliseum, not in a revival speaker, not with singers on the stage, not without choirs and all this. But God was literally saying, Elijah, you're missing the the, the relationship, the voice of God, the connection between me and you. That's what you're missing. So sometimes we, we, we miss this, and God has to remind us that he's at work behind the scenes in ways that we can't see. Because we were looking at what we could see of that. God, God did a reality check with me, and I know I told this story. I can't remember. Between speaking all the time, I can't remember when. But um, I told a lot of you guys this story. This past Easter, we were doing, um, I had this practice. I can't remember one of the practices leading up to the actual Easter thing. And we got up and we stopped and we had to restart this again and we did this and that and went through the whole thing. And then the, the next day we were doing mulch and like stuff like that around the church and I got a phone call. And the guy called me up and he said, I just want you to know how much the Easter play changed my life. And I was really confused and I said, so wh- wh- what, what time did you come last year? And he says, no, I came to the play this year. And I said, I said dude, I, I think there's some confusion. We haven't even done the play yet. And he says, oh, I know. He said, I came with family, and they had, you guys were having practice, and I was up in the balcony. He said, let me tell you, I drifted far from God, and I literally got on my knees in that balcony and got my heart right last night in the balcony. And I am just getting chills. Like, I'm driving, and I'm like, holy cow, it was a disaster. <laughs> it's like, we didn't do anything right. We had to redo this and start over, and, you know, all, all this stuff is just like this. And, and, and God's like, you know, when we have every cue planned and everything's going on, the Spirit of God was working in ways that you cannot see. You know what I'm saying? We're looking for the visual, and I think that's what we're looking for is the outpouring of these things. But God was doing this. The Divine silence does not necessarily mean divine inactivity. Do you guys hear that? Divine silence does not mean divine inactivity, meaning that God was with Elijah when the fire came down from heaven. And God was with Elijah when he got the news from Jezebel. But you know, what Je- you know what he was thinking at that time? You know, God is here, so you know what I need to see? God, I'm going to peek my head out the window. If you want to drop some fire on her head, I just, you know, that'd be really nice about now because I know that's how you work, God. And so we're sitting there waiting for that moment, that, that fire from heaven. 
And so God had to give him a little lesson and said, all right, love this. And like, God does this big display and said, what did you think of that? And he was like, God, that's what I was talking about. That's what I was asking for, a little fire from heaven, maybe a little earthquake to shake up Jabez or Jezebel and Ahab and, and, and do that. That's all I was asking for. And God was still making a point that I was there in the midst of all of that. Just because you don't see me working doesn't mean that I'm not at work. God's speaking in a still small voice to show Elijah that the work of God doesn't always have to be accomplished by dramatic revelation or manifestations of his power. And I think we need to be reminded of that every single day of our lives, that we don't have to have 50 people at an altar. Not saying that we're not praying for that, okay? So not, don't get that. But I'm saying for God to be working in mysterious ways behind the scenes and in your life and in your children and things. I, I, I remember when I was growing up, I, was, I was, went to a lot of amazing meetings that I was growing up, revivals and, 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 and camp meetings and all these things that I was able to be part of growing up in my life. And, and I remember setting things, and sometimes God worked in them, and sometimes God did not in my personal life. Okay, I, I, see, I saw it, but it wasn't there. But I remember distinctly being about 16 years old and waking up in the middle of the night not being able to go back to sleep. And I remember going to the living room. Man, I remember this vividly, going to our living room and sitting on the couch and like just literally being just like, just there. And I remember that being one of the first times that God began to speak to my heart about going into ministry. And you got to understand, I was visiting colleges at that time. I was Pastor Dave at that time. He was a full-blown preacher. I don't know if you guys know his story. He started preaching and doing things when he was like 12 years old. And people would have him come preach. And uh, it was nothing special, so don't get that in your head. It wasn't like that at all. He, just, he had a big head and whatever. But God, God used him in a lot of special ways growing up to do things like that. And so I always felt like, man, I don't want to just jump on board because Dave does that and I do that and stuff. But I remember that night being so different in my life because I felt God speaking to me. And you know what? And sometimes we have it like, well, there was no revival singers and this and, you know, all these other things because we, we kind of like, I don't know, push God out of our mechanical programs and everything that we do. God wants to work in the small things and the little things. And let me put it like this. Let me bring it home to you guys. So I, I think... Even in our lives, you go and you're working and you're witnessing to somebody at work and they don't respond, you know, they never respond, they never pray, they never break down in tears. But does that mean that you are witnessing to them did not work? Because, like, again, it wasn't like, I've been waiting for this and everybody gather around and let's have prayer and baptize them in, you know, in the pond out back. And, you know, we're, we're waiting for that moment. To, it's going to hit YouTube and God's going to be glorified around the world from what just happened in this. And it could be just the fact that the still small voice of God is God just walking over there and sitting back down with them as they sit and say, that's why you feel alone, because you need what he has. It's a still small voice of God that was working not through an outpouring of revival, but he was working there. And sometimes we're praying for our kids to get right, and we're waiting for that moment, kind of like... Um, you read of the prodigal son and you saw him afar off and he runs and you want to kill the fatted calf and barbecue and do all this other stuff. But sometimes God's working without him running down the street and God's working in the small ways that you can't even see to bring your kids back. But we doubt God because you can't see it. Just like 
this whole passage that we're talking about is Elijah was doubting God because he could not see it. All these things are happening. We don't know it, but, but you've got to understand. Look at why God did this with Elijah. Because the whole thing, where is God? God's not here. God doesn't care. I'm all by myself. I'm here. I may as well die. And God's walking and said, I'm here. I was there. I've always been there. Do you understand that I, I've never quit? I've never walked out. I've never stopped on any of this. The Spirit of God is constantly working. So God sent all these things to remind him of this. So I'm going to ask you guys, how does God work today? How does God speak to us today? Now, I want to just take these principles of the still small voice and break that down in this passage, okay? So the still means quiet, calm, or silent. Think about that. The still means quiet, calm, or silent. God speaks to your heart. You were created by God. And sometimes we're sitting there saying, if God would just speak like he did to Abraham and Isaac and all those other things... Do you realize that we don't have to wait like the prophet of Jonah for 10, 20, 50 years to go by before we hear from God, that you can hear from him tonight? Don't wish yourself out of the greatest time in history that we have the indwelling of the Spirit of God with us that speaks to us right now. God is with us. It's a quiet. So let me read a verse. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee open. You know what that is? It's getting alone from the distractions of life, and you talk to God, and God talks to you. Do you know why I think a lot of times our generation today, when I say our generation, I'm saying if you're living, breathing today, okay, our generation, that we don't hear the voice of God, it's too loud around us to hear the voice of God. We, we've gotten so, even to the point where, you know, answering phone, TV goes off, we're on our phones, we put that on, we set our alarm, we get up, and we go right back into our routines. There is no quietness. Why do you think God said, pray like this, but now we shut the door? Just tell me, what, what, what are you thinking? What is God saying with that? Shut out the distractions. Shut out the distractions. Get alone. Get quiet. Let your creator speak to your heart. Let's let, let just, but I'll tell you guys, our, our world is almost weirded out from silence. I don't know if any of you guys remember this, but one Sunday I preached the message and I started off by letting there be a minute of silence before I got up. And it was weird. Does anybody remember that? I don't know. I, I remember I just sat there and it was hard for me because I so bad wanted to say something. And then I was sitting in a pew and I just started talking. I said, is this weird for anybody? And everybody started laughing because it was just like, where did Pastor Tony go? What went wrong? Whatever. We can't handle silence. But in this passage, he was saying to get alone, the still, quiet, calm silence of God, to meditate. Did you notice how much the Bible talks about it, to meditate? Just to let the things, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, to be quiet and to listen and everything. But then the word small means this, very little thing or small or thin. So it's not only the stillness, the quiet or lack of noise, but it's also in the little things that God speaks in the little things. Constantly, all around us, God's saying, I'm here, Elijah, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. But I, I, we could look at this story with Elijah and saying, Elijah, you don't have to wish you were dead. You don't have to run away. You don't have to get alone. God's listening. But the same thing comes with us. Guys, can we hear God in the little things? 
Literally meaning that God's talking to us all the time and we miss those things. So I was going to have you guys turn to it, but uh, I'm running out of time with this. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 7, he, he says this, and he says, Be still and know that I am God. He, he's, he's literally in that. And he, the be still in that passage is not necessarily like this. It's a matter of absence of action is what that passage was talking about. So because a lot of times when we're just like Elijah, we're, we're running from this or we're trying to fix this, we're trying to make this happen, and God just says, stop! And just back off. And, and just stop making it happen and listen to the voice of God as I'm going to lead you to what's happening. And this passage reminds us of this. So let me give you the instructions that, that God gave him when God spoke to him. And let me show you how when you just stop and let God listen, you listen to God, Look at 1 Kings 19, verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on the way of the wilderness of Damascus. And he, and he sends him out. So the first thing that we get is God instructs him. You know, when you, when you stop, when you listen, you're not waiting for God to do something crazy like he was looking for, but you just listen to God. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm just here. What do, you, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go, and God leads him. Life will get a lot more clear when you start hearing the voice of God lead you and guide you. And I'll explain the modern day application of that here in a minute, okay? Because I know we have the Spirit of God and not necessarily the presence of Elohim like he's talking about here. Number two, God guides him to someone that will help him. That's what God did. It's still small voice. Verse 16, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son... And, and all of a sudden he says, Now I'm, I'm bringing... So Elijah had something special in his life named Elisha. Now, remember what he said, I, only I, am a prophet of God. I do this all by myself. And you know what God does? God says, you're not alone. Actually, I'm going to bring somebody into your life because you weren't meant to be alone. God guides him. God brings people into his life. God informs him that he will judge those that have turned. Verse 17, it shall come to pass that escape with the sword of uh, Hazael and Jehu slay, and him that escape with the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. He said, you don't have to worry about it. God's saying, I already go, go before you. I've got a plan. I've got it all worked out. He didn't hear all this before when he was moping. He didn't hear all this when he was looking for the big outpouring of God. He got all this when? When he stopped and just said, okay, I hear you. I'll listen. I'll stop. I'll, 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 I'll quit trying to fight this. God explains to him that he's not alone. This is, this is awesome. Yet have I left, verse 18, yet have I left seven thousand in Israel and all the knees which have not bowed to Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. You know, he said, God, I'm alone. I'm the only one out here. You may as well kill me because there's nobody left. And God says, you understand the number that he gives him? He said, there are 7,000 other ones. So, so here's the principle of what God was saying through this is God will give you the answers to everything that you're looking for when you stop and listen rather than just trying to look for the outpouring or the revival or the big things that he's doing around you. 1 Timothy 3.15, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make these wise into salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is given by inspiration or God-breathed. That's what that passage is talking about. So what is the first one, the way that God speaks to us? Through the Word of God. And, and, and that's not just us saying that. It's amazing. If the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful, what does the word quick mean? Alive. It's alive. It is active. It's engaging in our lives. 
You sit down with the Word, you sit down with God. You do. And God literally is talking to you. And the thing about it is, it's, it, the Spirit of God enlightens our, our minds. The, the, the doctrine of illumination, it, it, it shines a light on it to see it in a way that maybe you could not see it with carnal eyes. So God speaks through these things to speak to us of what He wants us to know. And it's amazing how even through that, God will bring conviction. Something that you need to change. God, God will tell you, you, need, you have a complaining problem. You are negative or you, you've fallen into sin in this area. God will, God will speak peace to our hearts. You know, he will, he'll calm you just like you, you read a passage about God being in control or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you walk away different. You say, how did you get that feeling or the thing? So well, God spoke to me this morning through the word. Well, well that's how it happens. It's, it's the spirit of God through the word of God speaking to your heart inspiring you, man, stirring you up or encouraging you. Number two, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is the good of use to edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And then it ties it right in, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Where's the Spirit of God at? Inside of you. What is He telling you not to do? Grieve the Spirit of God. What should come out of you? That which is the use of edifying. And then in the same passage, He talks about... Let there not be clamor and evil speaking and all that. So just so you know, it is not the Spirit of God working in you when you talk, walk around grumbling and complaining all the time. God cannot use you to speak to others when we're grumbling and complaining. He just can't. That's why he said, let it not be spoken of you. And talked about grieving the Spirit of God. But what should be present with you is that which is the use of edifying. So you sit there and somebody you know, that you know, that you love, you care about, and you go up to them and that does happen and say, man, are you okay? Man, I love you. And man, I, I, I just live being around you. And, da, 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 and you just, whatever God leads you to say. And all of a sudden, that person walks away different. You say, why is it? You know what you did? You lifted them up. And it wasn't you. You say, man, I didn't even know they needed that. Well, God used you as a vessel to communicate whatever he wanted them to know. God speaks through believers. God speaks through Christians. Now, I know that gets weird because sometimes people come up, and let me just clarify, and I'm going to say something that I don't have time to explain fully. God will not give you new revelation. Does everybody understand what I'm saying by that? I have the completed Word of God. And that's, that's where a lot of people don't understand. When you have somebody that God says, I've got a word from the Lord, God said to move out of the country and move to Africa, or whatever, just like... Be careful when you start dictating what God has said for people to do when God's already given us His fully spark. And, I, and I, I don't have time to go into that, but you get things happening all the time of people saying, God's well, most famous one, God told me that He's coming back next year. Well, I know He's not coming back next year because no man knows the day nor the hour, so you just told me when He's not coming back. Okay, so you, you just be, be careful with that because the Bible says very clear, no man knows the day nor the hour. That's why every person that claims that God told them, I know that they're wrong because the Bible will never contradict itself. Never does. The third area that the Bible uh, says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, with the Father was sent in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Peace I leave with you. So what is the third one? The Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, the indwelling of the presence of God with you. And man, I can tell you, it, it, it speaks to your heart as for like telling you to go and telling you when not to go. Telling you to speak. Have you ever 
started getting into an argument and God like just like the horse reins, just like, well, like, whoa, whoa, you know, like just pulls back on that all of a sudden. And you just say, you know, your spouse says, man, I was expecting you to say something. Man, I, I don't know what came over me. I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And you say, what is that? God is speaking to you. God is controlling you. God is working through. These are modern day things that are happening all around us all the time. So the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know that we should pray. We ought to. The Spirit itself make an intercession from us, the groanings. So what is this third or fourth one? Through prayer. God, God speaks to us. And did I put that, did I put them in the right, right place? So, so he speaks through us through uh, through through prayer, um, you know, and a lot of times we don't understand that because it's it's prayer that we're speaking to God, but at the same time during that time of prayer when He says and shut the door, and the Father which is in secret He speaks to our hearts. And I know some of this is all in one thing because you're saying, aren't you really saying the Spirit of God in four different ways? Yes, we are. But it's amazing when you get alone with God to talk to God that that's the time that the Spirit of God talks to you. And, and, and gives you the peace. You sit there and say, man, I prayed about it, and God has given me a peace. God, you, you, you cast your care before him, and he spoke through that time of prayer, or that time of aloneness with God. It's not just conviction. It's not just God bringing something to your mind. It's the fact that you have that time of prayer. Did anybody else come up with any others besides these four? Don? And I, and I know that even gets nervous with people and things like that. I have a dream, and, you know, the Lord told me that this is going to happen, stuff like this. But let me tell you, without you guys judging me, I have had some amazing ideas that I dreamed about, and I woke up and I did them, okay? Things that I've done in church, and you go sit there and say, that's just weird. I know it's weird, but I'm telling you, I don't know. I just, maybe without the distraction, the God was able to speak to me, you know, without there being the distractions. Or, or I, I don't know. I can't explain it, but Absolutely. So, Our leaders have to have vision because the scripture says without a vision, the people perish. That's right. God, God puts things on our heart through the Spirit of God to tell you where to go and what to do. I saw all other hands. Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I know that's kind of tied in directly with the Word of God because... He's using the, the leader to preach the word of God. But, but I think even through that, that God will use the leader to maybe illustrate or connect it or, you know, whatever. But he's working through them at the same time. So I would, I, I would agree with that. Christina? That is true in the Old Testament. Very true in the Old Testament. We, we've got some weird things that God worked to speak to us uh, in the Old Testament. Let, let me give you two personally. Uh, number one is music. That uh, God speaks to us. And even with that being, if it's the Spirit of God, but uh, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And I, I, I've, I've had God just totally encourage me and change me through times of music and being alone with God and things like that. Another one that I wrote down, just personally with circumstances, that God spoke to me through uh, circumstances. Let me give you guys a story and then we'll be done. Um, 
I've told you guys this story. I think that's what happens when you're at the same place for a long time. You repeat stories. Um, but work with me on this. So the very building that we're sitting in right now, okay, uh, is we, we've been in this building for a long time now. I can't remember what, what the age of this is. I think like eight years. Is that right? Something like that. So we were doing it. My first big project, $1.2 million plus expenses and things like that that went into it. So we had the money that was coming in. We had the money that we saved up. We had the money that we were borrowing from the bank. And so what we did is the bank would give us the money each month according to what the uh, contractor would build. So we had spreadsheets and all this thing. It was all planned out. It was working out in sync exactly what we needed, what was projected, what was budgeted, and all this other stuff. So I, I don't even think Gene would remember this because I, I don't think how much of this I shared. So we got one of the invoices in that was for about $80,000. So I had it on my desk, and I was pulling up to see kind of where we were at, whatever, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is 80000 more than what I planned. This, this, is, this did not, and so I'm like double-checking the figures. I'm going through. I'm adding up things or whatever, and I am, I'm like getting sick, like two, three days of trying to figure out how did, how did, how did I mess up on $80,000? Where, where did it go? How did it not get in there? How... How was that not in the budget and things like that? So I'll tell you what, I, I, I was afraid to even like talk about it because I'm thinking my first big project as a pastor and I blew it. You know, it was, we, we had all the numbers, we had the budgets and things like that. And I just, I had no answer for it, which is even worse. So I remember I was going to call the bank and talk to the bank guy that Gene knows that I, I didn't like him. So... <laughs> <laughs> He was just really, really mean, and it was, it was just a bad, I'm just being honest, okay? So, it, it, so it, was, it was not a fun situation. I, I hated to talk to this guy, but I knew that I was going to have to call him and explain to him what the situation was and things. So I was dreading it so bad. So I, like, dialed the number, literally, and then hung back up. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I, I don't, I, God, I'm like, what, did, what happened? So I remember that moment that I got down on my knees in my office, shut the door, and I had one of the most transparent conversations between me and God that I've ever had in all my life. And I said, God, I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how to explain to anybody. I don't know how I messed up so bad. $80,000 is a lot of money. And so I remember praying, and I got back up, and I went to make that phone call, and I thought, wait a minute. Let me just call uh, the building company and just, you know, double check to see what's going on and da-da-da-da, whatever. Should I call them? She goes, read that invoice again. She goes, she says, Tony, you already paid that. She says, we double invoiced you. I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. It's like, <laughs> I was freaking out. It's like, just sorry. I was like, she said, just rip that up and throw it out. It's no big deal. You're just whatever. And I'm like, you know, like, no big deal to you. And I'm thinking all that time. And I say how God works and spoke to me through circumstances, and I know it was through prayer, and I know through the Spirit of God, and I know, but let me tell you, I look back at that circumstance of God telling me, don't worry when you think it's no way to be worked out. And, and it, it was through, through that circumstance, and I'll tell you, all of you guys say, I remember going through whatever, and God spoke, worked, acted, made it all happen through whatever it was, and God works in that way. And I honestly think that God, in that still small voice, went into that account and said, send him a double invoice. You know, it's like, just, 
you know, I want to teach this boy a lesson that he doesn't have it all figured out. And that, that, you know, it doesn't matter how many Excel spreadsheets that figured it all out. There were still some things through that that, that didn't add up and stuff. So we serve a God that cares about our problems. And that's why I went through so many elaborate detail at the beginning of it. And you said, what, what does this have to do with Jabez, or Je, Jezebel and Ahab? I keep mixing those names. Again. Je, Jezebel and Ahab and running and wanting to die and all that. It was just simply that God was there the whole time and he wasn't listening. Don't go through life not listening to the still, small, subtle, all the time working through tiny situations, God that cares about your problems. Because we serve a God that does speak to us all the time.